0: Hey all you punk rockers out there, here's another episode of Let's Talk Punk Rock, and the final one for Season 1. On this episode, we'll be taking a quick look at an often overlooked but still major player in the punk world. So, if you're feeling like an amoeba and want to rip it up, then let's take a look at the kids of the black hole, and see who is who. That's right everybody, we're doing the adolescence. Adolescence to me has always been an iconic punk band who hit the ground running hard with an amazing first album. My introduction to this band was with their hit Amoeba being included on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack, and it stood out as one of the best tracks on there. I again heard it on the SLC Punk movie soundtrack. And this episode has a special shout out to the random drunk woman at the Who show a few months back who asked me to do the Adolescence before attempting to sing Kids of the Black Hole to me in its entirety. I have no clue who you are, but I hope you're doing well. Today's story is going to start out with a meeting between Steve Soto, formerly of Agent Orange until leaving the band when the singer wouldn't use any of his songs in their sets, and Tony Brandenburg. Now, Brandenburg has changed his name a number of times over the years and currently goes by Tony Reflex, so for the remainder of this episode, I'm just going to call him that. But he's also been Tony Kadena, Tony Montana, and Tony Adolescent. So, Soto and Reflex meet at an Agent Orange show in the late 70s and eventually decide to start their own band in January of 1980. Originally, they ask Rick Agnew to join them on guitar, but he declines and suggests they use his brother Frank Agnew instead. Frank agrees, and with the addition of John O'Donovan on guitar and Greg Williams, going by the stage name Peter Pan, on drums, the adolescents are formed. Although they are all indeed adolescents at the time of this band's formation, they took the name from another band in Petaluma who were no longer using the name. They played their first show at a boys club in Yorba Linda, California, with Social Distortion and Agent Orange, where they played a total of six songs. Other early shows included playing Steve Soto's High School and John O'Donovan's High School. When performing at O'Donovan's High School, they played at lunch, which resulted in the band being pelted by food and garbage. Reflex insulted the crowd, and the entire incident ended with O'Donovan being suspended and his school swearing off rock and roll bands performing there again. The band would record their first demo in March of that year in Reflex's mother's garage. From the interviews I've seen with Reflex, he speaks pretty highly of his mother, who seemed to be a pretty big supporter of him. The next month, in April, they open for The Germs at the Fleetwood in Redondo Beach. They then go on to record a second demo in Midway City the following month. This demo includes such hits as I Hate Children, No Friends, Who Is Who, and Wrecking Crew. A couple years later, there will be a BYO Records compilation put out called Someone Got Their Head Kicked In, which includes Wrecking Crew, which we'll talk about in a bit, but also includes Who Is Who. In June of 1980, not long after this band starts, it goes through its first lineup change. Now, if you get lost in all the lineup changes, head on over to the About the Adolescents page on theadolescents.net. There you will find a nice flowchart by Frank Agnew outlining all of the lineup changes. Not only that, he's included the various other bands these members would come from and start. Alright, so as I said, June of 1980, they have a change. O'Donovan and Williams decide to leave the band. Frank's brother, Rick Agnew, steps in as drummer here. Now, Rick came with his own set of issues, and one of those issues was his lack of drums. That's a decent problem if you're the drummer. He would have to borrow drums from other bands when they performed. This would be an acceptable solution, except Rick had a habit of kicking over the drum kits and breaking them. Not what a band once done when they lend their equipment. For this reason, he was switched to guitar and Casey Royer is brought in on drums. Royer had played with Rick in his previous band, The Detours. With the addition of these two, the band gets an unexpected boost. Rick and Royer bring with them some songs that had been written for The Detours. These include such hits as Amoeba, Creatures, No Way, Rip It Up, and Kids of the Black Hole. On top of bringing these songs to the band, Rick and Royer had more experience as well. After their last demo ends up getting played on the radio highlighting local punk bands, they decided to record a third demo that July. This one includes Amoeba and Creatures again, but also has Self Destruct and Do The Eddie. Do The Eddie was a joke song they had written about Eddie Joseph of Eddie and the Subtitles. also happened to be one of the sound engineers for this demo and then became their manager for a time until he ended up with an advance check which he promptly cashed and took off. Somewhere around this time the band decides to quit playing parties. They didn't like that these often broke out into fights and the cops would be called. One thing to say for this band is they weren't afraid to stand up to the audience if they felt they were getting too violent. They would even stop playing sometimes if a fight broke out. With a few demos under their belt they record Amoeba again for the Rodney on the Rock compilation album.
1: Never seen like it this got a money but don't turn your back to stupid science world This is reaching for the telephone
0: Rodney on the Rock was a radio program featuring Rodney Bingenheimer. This compilation also included songs by Black Flag, Circle Jerks, and Agent Orange. Finishing up 1980, The Adolescents opened for The Germs' final show on December 3rd. Starting out the new year, they signed to Frontier Records in January of 81. In March, they record their debut album, Adolescents, which is commonly referred to now as The Blue Album. Working quickly, this album is recorded and mastered in only four days. A couple interesting takes on this album are Wrecking Crew and Rip It Up. Wrecking Crew talks about the appeal of destruction and punk. Rip It Up, however, discusses the dangers of that appeal. This album sells over 10,000 copies, making it one of the best-selling hardcore punk albums in California, following behind The Dead Kennedys' Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. Rick Agnew had been having difficulties with the band more and more at this time, and only a few months after the release of the album, threw his guitar at a show and walked off stage, effectively quitting. He would briefly be replaced by Pat Smear of The Germs. Smear would leave the band only a few months later. They needed to tour, having been banned from most clubs, but Smear didn't want to. He would be replaced by Steve Roberts. It is with this lineup that they record a three-song EP called Welcome to Reality. Welcome to Reality would be released in October of that year to poor reviews, but by this point the band had already broken up in August. Fast forward five years to 1986, and a reunion show is played featuring Reflex, Soto, Royer, and both Rick and Frank Agnew. The result of this is the band getting back together. They then record a new demo which features The Liar, It also includes peasant song.
1: Tonight, we sing our peasant song, tonight. Tonight, we sing our peasant song all right. Yeah, my daughter, you. know she used to start, on you. up and down, she's a lady. She can play a pool, yeah, she can play
0: Some lineup changes soon followed a few months later. Frank Agnew left the band and was replaced by his younger brother, Alfie Agnew. Casey Royer then left the band to focus on his other band, another of my favorites, D.I. He was replaced by Sandy Hansen. That summer, the band records their next album, Brats and Battalions. This album includes new recordings of the Welcome to Reality EP, a new version of Do the Eddie, which they call Do the Freddy, and covers of House of the Rising Sun, as well as Iggy Pops I got a right They spend the second half of 1986 touring, and then Alfie Agnew quits the band to go off to college. He is replaced by Dan Colburn. In August of 1987, we get the release of Brats and Battalions put out on their own label, SOS Records. At some point around this time, they record another cover for the compilation Rat Music for Rat People Volume 3. This cover is All Day and All of the Night by The Kinks. By the end of 1987, Reflex and Colburn leave the band. Soto and Agnew decide to carry on sharing vocals. They also recruit Paul Casey on guitar, but he leaves after only a few months of touring. Frank Agnew comes back and rejoins the band and they record the album Balboa Fun Zone in 1988. Unfortunately, the band breaks up again in April of 89. In December of 89, the first album's lineup does reunite for a show at the Rosita Country Club. This show gets recorded and is released eight years later as Return to the Black Hole. From here, there's a ten-year gap for the band. In 2001, that original lineup reunites again to play a birthday show for Tony Reflex's wife. The band is back together at this point. But Royer bails again to focus on D.I. and is replaced by Derek O'Brien. O'Brien had been in D.I., Social Distortion, Agent Orange, and Extra Fancy. In 2003, they released their next EP, Unwrap and Blow Me, which was limited to 100 copies. It consisted of six songs, Hawks and Doves, Where the Children Play, California Sun, O.C. Confidential, Pointless Teenage Anthem, and Within These Walls. On October 3rd of that year, they perform at the House of Blues in downtown Disney. This is recorded for Kung Fu Records' live series, The Show Must Go Off. The performance is released on DVD the following year on February 24th as Live at the House of Blues. In the middle of recording another album in 2003, Rick Agnew left the band. They went on as a four-piece and didn't replace him. He was suffering from alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, and morbid obesity. It got so bad that by early 2010, doctors gave him only a few more months if he continued going the way he was going. Amazingly, Agnew managed to quit hard drugs and drinking. He started to diet and exercise to get his weight down as well. In March of 2005, they released the Complete Demos 1980-1986 to 1986, on Frontier Records. The album OC Confidentials is then released on Finger Records in July of 2005. This is the album that Agnew left in the middle of recording. As a result, the band decided to re-record all of Agnew's parts. Frank Agnew Jr. joins the band on tour for this album, playing second guitar. Frank Agnew leaves the band in 2006 and is replaced over the next few years by Matt Beld, Joe Harrison, and eventually Mike McKnight, who was in Steve Soto's former band Joyride, which he had started in the 90s. In 2008, O'Brien leaves the band and is replaced by Armando Del Rio. They sign to a German label, Concrete Jungle Records, and in 2009 release a split EP with Burning Heads. In 2011, they released the album Fastest Kids Alive, which includes the song Surf City. This song is about the legal battle between Santa Cruz and Huntington Beach over who gets to be called Surf City. Huntington Beach actually blocked Santa Cruz from being able to use the title. In 2013, they released the album Presumed Insolent, and in 2014, Del Rio is replaced by Mike Cambra, and McKnight is replaced by Leroy Merlin. Also in 2014, they released La Vendetta. According to an interview with Reflex by Aaron Schultz, he says recording this album is one of his proudest moments in the scene. A few highlighted songs here are A Dish Best Served Cold, which covers homelessness, the mentally ill, and the murder of Kelly Thomas. Kelly Thomas was a homeless man who had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. He was beaten to death by members of the Fullerton Police Department in what has been described as one of the worst police beatings in U.S. history. The album also includes Fukushima Lemon Twist, which covers the power plant meltdown and how its leaking into the ocean affects everyone. Also on the album is 30 Seconds to Malibu, which covers Jack Parsons, the rocket scientist who blew himself up in Pasadena. 2015, they do another EP split called Hot Wars, which is done with Russian band The Svetlanas. On July 8, 2016, they release Manifest Destiny, and Ian Taylor takes Merlin's place playing Rhythm. June 27, 2018, just days after finishing an East Coast tour, Steve Soto dies at age 54 of natural causes. He's replaced the following month on July 16th by Leftover Crack's Brad Logan. Soto had previously asked Logan to join the band, and so it felt like a right fit for a replacement. Four days later, on July 20th, they released the album Crop Duster, which would be the last Adolescence album to have Soto on it. And finally, on October 23rd, 2020, they released Russian Spider Dump, their last album up to the point of this episode being written. Alright, that's it. With the Adolescents, we wrap up Season 1. Like Operation Ivy, I had some difficulty tracking down information on these guys, which is a shame because they are definitely a band worth hearing. Some resources I used were American Hardcore by Stephen Blush and Kids of the Black Hole by Dewar McLeod. Most information I got was from interviews the band had done, as well as what is on their own website. I had originally intended this to be a monthly podcast, but with life I fell behind on a few episodes making this season last much longer than I intended. I'll be disappearing for a while while I get season 2 underway. Episodes will still be posted to the Patreon as soon as they are finished, so if you don't feel like waiting, you'll be able to get a good chunk of season 2 early, some of which will be months before anyone else. Now, a massive thank you to all you punk rockers out there who have supported the show. When I started this, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I just wanted to make the podcast that I would want to listen to. I've had a lot of encouraging emails and have had some killer bands shared with me to check out. Your support is what keeps this show alive. If you're looking to support the show further, the easiest way is to leave a five-star review. It helps others find the show. There's also a Patreon you can check out, and like I said before, you'll be getting episodes early on there, including over the hiatus. I post them to the Patreon as soon as they're finished. If you're not a fan of Patreon or don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, there is a Ko-fi page for one-time donations. And there is always merch on the tea Public store. All this money is used to keep the website running and to purchase more books for research, so it really is keeping the show going. As for the tea public, I have seen Granddaddy Longregg's new design that he's been working on. He's going to do a couple touch-ups, and then it should be out there. Links for all of this are in the show notes, or you can head over to letstalkpunk.com. The website could use a little help, too, honestly. There are a few bare pages that you could help with, so if you have any stories you want to share, or artwork, show photos, or just pictures of you and your punk friends goofing around, send them to letstalkpunkrock at gmail.com. It's also a great place to promote your band if you have a video. Feel free to email me any mistakes I made in these episodes so I can correct them or even email me suggestions for future episodes. I have a good handful to pull from for next season that I'm excited to get started on. Hey, even if you just want to say hi, send me an email. That email again is letstalkpunkrock at gmail.com. Other than that, there is the show's Facebook page and Twitter account, which is at Let's Talk Punk. That's let's underscore talk underscore punk. And just a reminder, this is a one-man operation, so there is a lot of work that goes into each episode done entirely by me. It can tend to make things take a little while, but I'm planning to get most of Season 2 recorded before releasing, so there won't be any more long waits between episodes. And as always, thank you to Granddaddy Long Greg for making the show's logo, and we're all excited to see what you come up with next. And as for hints for our next episode, well, you'll just have to wait and see on this one. Season 2 is coming. Alright, that's it. I'll catch you on the flip side.